previously on Quest Friends Hereafter. As part of Sparky's Investigates descriptor, Hallie gets to choose a mystery to solve. Protect the rutabaga or the world ends. I was able to talk to Mr. Scuba, but he did give me this. It is a page ripped out of a book. Booker starts chewing on the page. Ah! No, 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 no! Booker, I don't think you should eat this right now. We need to... Recoob! We need to research it first. To analyze it, Keegan would do the exact sequence of events that Basil of Bakersfield yes, yes. does when looking at that one paper. And then you get a text that just has a very, very different tone to it. This is Overseer Cole. Tell me everything you know. Rat's excited yell echoes throughout the empty, sterile back hallways of the scuba core space scraper as she excitedly prances forward and backward, going a little bit ahead of you and then back to you and then a little bit ahead and back. She nuzzles. Unlike Oset Scuba's office, which was maximalist is the friendly term someone would call it cluttered as fuck is what most people would call it Marie Kondo would not find it a soothing place to be does not spark joy does not spark joy these back hallways don't either because they don't have anything that sparks joy it's completely empty barren walls just a little bit of humming residual light like a not very good fluorescent lighting going throughout the walls, like a gamer computer, essentially. God. Yeah. But besides that is completely empty, pure sheer metal. Probably because Oset thought it looked cool. It feels cold. <laughs> and you keep walking, and eventually you see a light at the end of the tunnel, and you can hear some muffling as Eddie, Rhonda, and some third person, again, another key clone, just start talking to each other. I I don't know. I think that's a bit harsh, don't you think, Eddie? My dear Rhonda, you have a heart of gold. Unfortunately, the people in this crowd have no regard for gold. They are elite snobs who do not give anything to others. Our benefactor, however, oh, well, they are most generous indeed. I, I guess they are pretty pretty nice. I mean, like, that's how we met, right? Yeah. yeah. I think it was my birthday, wasn't it? Yes, Rhonda. Although, every day with you feels like a birthday. And, yeah, they're just talking as you all uh, walk up to the room. <laughs> I described this room previously, but to re-summarize it, it is a sterile room with white walls. One of the walls had a glass window on it, which has since been blocked by a metal barrier that Oset had automatically go down when intruders were detected. Inside of the room, a collection of rare and powerful Necromon are kept not in cards, but instead in glass boxes, each of which has a blue light surrounding it. 
like the light of a necromon arena. The room itself is also illuminated by this light, a wide blue light that surrounds the entire room. And you can actually see as you come in, a thin blue aura surrounds Irene's necromon and Babcha Anya's book, similar to how it would when you would go into a necromon arena. A little curl of paper pokes up from the book. Oh. Hilda's going to give the spine a long scratch and then burst out balloon sword rays <laughs> and shout, Prepare yourselves! You have exactly 10 seconds to explain what you're doing here before this entire room starts to flood with pie cream. Ah! What was that? Oh! Oh, hi! Rhonda Clock's just, ticking. Rhonda turns over this woman with a uh, translucent face and a bright, plump nose and a tuft of orange hair that just is curling out from half of a Phantom of the Opera mask. And she waves to you. Eddie takes five of those seconds to slowly turn around. <laughs> like... I was wondering if you would make your way here. Our benefactor was certain you would, although I must admit, I had my doubts. I had my doubts you would ever get out of that card. Irene says, stepping out from behind Hilda. Oh, he takes a step back. You're here too, I see. Hello, old friend. He sneers under a mustache. Hello, detective. <laughs> In the background, Sparky just puts her hands up. <laughs> <laughs> is this what it's like for Hilda not knowing about the key clones? <laughs> I, I want Kike to also like show up there like, Hello again, Eduardo. Oh, <laughs> Aurelio. Well, I must say I am very surprised to see you. Don't you have some slap chop samurai or something like that to watch at home? You know, getting embroiled in all this is much too much excitement, isn't it? Well, watching that has given me plenty skills for me to take <laughs> you on if necessary. You could ask some of your other associates. Oh wait, some of them have been knocked out by me. <laughs> oh wow, a, a copy got knocked out. An, an imitation of a sad old man got knocked out by the sad old man. How terrifying. And when he says that, the bandit, Kike, the one that's in, like, the ski mask and the thieving gear, looks up, offended at Eddie. And oh. Eddie just looks down and says, Oh, not you. You're great. Just go back to work. And then he turns back to you. Well, considering you're one of them, I think you should be pretty worried. As I told you last time, Aurelio, I am not a copy. I have ascended to greater purposes. Ah, sure you have. Sure you have. Keep telling yourself that, Eduardo. Thank you for acknowledging that. I said keep telling yourself that. I didn't say that I acknowledged it. The point is, I regret to inform you that this has nothing to do with you, so you can just be on your way, go back home. Uh, let me take care of this. It won't get in your way at all. Another little curl of paper pops up. Sparky's just taking it in. This is the most information she's ever gotten on Kike. I had a thing I wanted to do while they were monologuing at each other. Hilda wanted while they were talking to just go over to the other key clone in the ski mask and like poke him with the balloon sword and be like, hey, so um, 
what what are you actually doing here i you're you're you can't go back to thieving yet the timer still stands what's going on yeah i'm just gonna say you do it eddie is gloating he loves his monologues you don't even gotta roll for that good for eddie so uh the sneaky key clone looks up to you and is like oh what was that what what are you actually doing here oh i mean well we're gonna we're gonna take this thing from like this thing and then uh, the benefactor wants us to take it move it up so we gotta be really quiet that's why i was chosen because i'm like really quiet in the way that i speak Uh, i don't like to speak a whole lot it just makes me intimidated so when you say thing, are, are, are you taking the Necromon or are you taking something else that's in here? And he points to the pedestal and you can see that it has a blank page identical to the one that Kike gave you earlier today in it. And he says, I don't know, I was just told to take this thing. Ah, cred. Why? Two legs poke out. <laughs> he looks back to Sparky is like, oh, uh. I don't know, he says that his benefactor wants it or something like that. I don't question. Yeah, but, uh, okay, so you're just a lackey. You don't know anything. I mean, that's a bit harsh. But is it wrong? No, but it's still harsh. I don't mean to interrupt your work, but, uh... Unfortunately, though, I do. And you hear the cocking of a gun. Oh, no! And you turn over and you see... Next to you, a woman dressed in extremely vibrant clown makeup. Gonna have to explain that one a little bit more, you're Kyle. Gonna, you're gonna have to have more words. <laughs> you have to give us some more details. You're gonna, we're gonna need a little bit more. The woman looks at you, Hilda. I must say, Hilda, dear, you little cutie, your mom does have a wonderful sense of fashion, although she doesn't use quite enough pink for my taste. Whatever for you? The, the woman gets really upset at that and is like, Maybe it's Maybelline, but she looks a little bit too good to be Maybelline right here. Like, we would wreck The gun just points towards you, Sparky. <laughs> good! Good! Wow. What a great... You know, that was a really expert backhanded compliment. It would be really effective if it wasn't the pot calling the kettle black. I've never tried. <laughs> Anyways, I just want to interrupt and tell you that your insult to Sparky didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, that's the shit. Like you right. were getting a backhanded compliment, but then you said the pot calling the kettle black, implying that Sparky looks really good right now. So it, it was kind of a self-own again. No, that's I th- why I, th- I said I never tried because this is just effortless. The compliment. But you didn't get it because you're not smart enough. She points with a gun at the key clone. <laughs> The point is, I needed to get into this room, but realized that anybody would recognize my iconic style. And since your clownish mother is here, I figured I could just put on some similar makeup and sneak in amongst the crowd. And now that I am here with a gun, mind you, I feel like we all sort of glossed over that. I would like what's in that box, please. And he's like, oh, oh, and at that, Eddie will notice Maybelline pointing the gun and be like, oh, well, now, now, what do we have? Maybelline pulls out a second gun and points it out. (laughs) Oh, my God. Eddie. I will say the little stunt you pulled tonight did make infiltrating this chamber more useful, but you've outlived your usefulness to me. Are you going to shoot someone who's already dead? Just curious well just because something doesn't kill you doesn't mean it can't hurt 
I do want to hear more of what she has to say. However, what I'd like to do more is use designated driver to call my van. <laughs> beep, beep, motherfucker. That's the bad swear. You pick up, beep, here it comes. Describe, describe designated driver. Describe the skill or what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, describe, describe the move. All right, the move. You have a reliable means of transportation that is able to carry you and the other PCs, e.g. a car, bus pass, soul-bonded dragon, etc. Spend one AP to have this means of transportation appear in a critical moment, and if you are in the middle of a confrontation that involves a chase, fill your confrontation clock by one. I have exactly one AP. Give me give me one quick second. I gotta read what I wrote here. Uh... <laughs> But yeah, here's the secret final upgrade that Big Jake <laughs> gave to your car. Remote summon. I like to think it's like um, it's like the bison whistle from Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. <laughs> they just blow into it and Appa shows up. She's got a van whistle shaped like her van. It's just a little van. Uh, Sparky, I will let you decide. Is the vehicle coming from A, the library, B, a nearby hallway, C, the floor, <laughs> or D, the ceiling? Not the ceiling, Hallie. The floor is so much funnier because this is a whale erupted from the ground and just, and just, whoosh, came up. So yeah, from beneath Maybelline, as she's aiming two guns, Western style, a look that is too cool for her. On the end, just fucking- So you want it under Maybelline? Yes. You're gonna have to roll me take a swing for that. Oh, Okay. <laughs> On car, you can do it. Hallie, the dice are on your side. No, they're not. Don't say that. The dice have never been on my side. Nine. I was so close to a no strings attached success. You're going to hit your target. Yeah. It's going to hit Maybelline, Good. but you have to choose one benefit and one drawback. Who does my car hit? The benefit is that she's hit by my car. And she and and she's no longer aiming guns at people because okay okay she, like the guns uh she drops them she drops the guns okay she drops the guns yeah yeah uh the drawback do you also hit one of us with your car who does the car hit <laughs> do it Hallie. do it Hallie not in this party I can't do that who does I won't have it hit a party member oh okay yeah then yeah hit someone else that's fine as long as it's not a party hit member hit someone or something you didn't intend to okay so you said you have a whistle right yeah, like a bison whistle, but for a van. So you just whistle without saying anything? Yeah, I just pull out a fucking whistle that J.K.L. gave me at some point in the past that Sparky has told no one about, and I just, I blow on it. Beep, beep. <laughs> it flies in from however high up we are. We're in space! We're in the upper atmosphere. That's right. Class everywhere. John McClane action sequence. There's an explosion in the corner for no reason. People don't have shoes anymore. <laughs> no. The car comes up from the ground, knocking Maybelline to the floor, and we hear a crash alongside that, like a clinkling of glass. And then the blank page, which has been freed from the container, lands right in front of her. Booker bolts for it. Ooh. And it's time for a three-way confrontation. Yeah. So the way confrontations work normally is you have a clock and your opponents have a clock, based on what your goal is. In a three-way confrontation, it's similar. There are two clocks. 
there is you and there is everybody else. And the reason we do that is because as players, your rolls and dice influence not the world as a whole, but instead how you interact with it. So it doesn't matter that both Maybelline and Eddie want the blank Booker page. What matters is that they are working against you. So it's basically a normal confrontation. The only difference is going to be that when you make actions, I'm going to keep in mind, is this affecting Maybelline more or is this affecting Eddie and his team more? And based on basically who you screw over the most, we'll determine who gets first, second, and third place at the end of this confrontation. Good. So Eddie wants the blank page and Maybelline wants the blank page. Booker also wants the blank page, but you as a team have to decide what is your want out of this confrontation. Uh, I guess I think we want the blank page. Yeah, because like obviously I want I I want whatever Maybelline wants so that she doesn't have it, and that's the blank page apparently. <laughs> All right. So to set the scene, with a loud roar. The White Eyes Blue Dragon gets all the other creatures in their containers riled up. Maybelline, Eddie, and Booker all at once are trying to pounce on this blank page. What do you all do? I think we also just want to pounce on the blank page. I'm ready to get in there with some fisticuffs. What's up, party people? That's my battle cry. <laughs> Can I cause Maybelline to slip on a banana peel? Yes, describe how you're going to cause Maybelline to slip on a banana peel. I'm going to utilize a move here, use my pull pranks, descriptor move, to spend my one and only AP to have a banana peel on hand that's just going to whoop, bling it out right in front of her. Roll, take action, or sneak. Oh, also, everyone's clock is four. I figured we'd just do a conventional... I have never rolled so poorly in my life. It's not a triple snake, eyes. But I guess with the bonus, it will at least be a seven. But I rolled a one, a two, and a three. Jesus. Oh, my God. All right. Yeah, describe how you throw this uh, banana peel. And it kind of works. Just a soggy banana. There's no technique to it. It's just there's no room to do the magic here. And Tilda is thinking on her feet because she was currently bouncing between pulling a page out from behind Maybelline's ear and, like, trying to John McClane a different balloon sword attached to her back. Just yoinks it out right in front of her. You actually successfully trip her, but she slips over and she trips over Booker who flips onto his back. No! No! My baby! Giving Eddie time to grab the page and go, hey, best Kike. (laughs) So he's got the page and he's he's gonna start running while Booker just on his back lets out an angry... Waggling his little legs, upset. So both clocks fill by one, right? Yes. You can inflict an effect on someone instead. Uh, I have a list of ideas. It essentially means, like, in extreme case, I cut off his leg, preventing a character from, you know, mm-hmm. using the leg or inactivating moves or setting them in a scenario where they're busy having to take care of something else. Mm-hmm. I think I will go for clock filling. I'm going to go for that as well. So each clock is filled by one booker who has been rejuvenated by the light is on his back. And you can actually see that the blue light is coming around him even more so 
And he's starting to get some of those special pages that he gets when he's in his ultra form in an arena, which would normally be really cool. The one thing to defeat an ultra necromon being flipped on their back. (laughs) Currently, he's just still wailing and kicking his little legs because he's so mad. How do you mean while I was going to run away like, (laughs) screw all of you. (laughs) Let's go, Rhonda. Oh, all right. Well, I mean, like, okay, yeah, let's let's get going. Oh, should we bring the... Ah, forget him. He's as much scum as the other Kikes. I was just saying otherwise to make him feel nice. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. And Rhonda and Eddie start running to the hallway. We'll say they're running to the hallway to escape. Uh, Popia wants to go comfort the other abandoned skeleton. That's their thing now. <laughs> you succeed. You've made Ooh, another friend. Yay. Okay. As Sparky, however, I would like to just chase down Eddie and smack Book Pro him in the face. I rolled to take a swing. Woohoo! And that is with advantage because of Smack Book Pro. Smack Book Pro. And advantage is an extra die, right? Yeah, and then you take the top two. Okay. Uh, I don't need to roll a third die, actually, because I got Malaita! Woo! Six, six, two, sixes! Six, six, two, sixes! Malaita! You did it! Roll it to see if you get a third six. What? Uh, that's never gonna happen. Four. Oh. You ruined it. All right, so <laughs> you can either take two clocks filled or you can take a clock filled and an effect. Uh, who are you hitting with this? Eddie. You could put him in pieces so he can't run away. Um, could I take one clock fail and the PCs get one ongoing for the rest of the confrontation? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's do that one. You smack him. So good. But how does smacking him also give everyone a benefit against him, Rhonda, and Maybelline for the rest of this confrontation? Because... I also just realized your car is still there. My car is still there. In the middle of the room. Let's say... Just for just for yucks, like Maybelline is climbing out from under the car at the same time that I whack Eddie so hard with the Smackbook Pro, one of his bones comically flies into the distance and whacks Maybelline in the face just <laughs> as she's emerging. And then she's knocked back. So now so now I don't actually know why that gives us plus one ongoing, but that was a thing I was using to justify it. Both of them are rattled. Both of them are rattled. Eddie more literally so. <laughs> yeah. How dare you? I was just about to say him literally. <laughs> and then I would like to take the page from him. Can I do that? Yeah, we'll say that we'll say that you you have the page. Okay, I want to take the page and not really thinking about it. I want to do like a Pirates of the Caribbean I have a jar of dirt thing that was a meme for a while <laughs> that <laughs> Jack Sparrow does. And I'll be like, "Ha! I got your fucking page." <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> And then, like, just the morale of seeing someone who's, like, on their team having the page also gives plus what I'm going. Like, aha, he didn't get away. And then now that you have the page, are you just, is that what's happening right now? Um, I didn't think this far ahead. <laughs> I guess, I guess I'm trying to get it to Booker because that's what he, it's his page. What I would really love to do is unleash all the captive Necromon and set them upon our enemies. Yes. But I don't know how to do that. Well, try. Try however you want. Is there like a button? Do not push button. If you give me an AP, (laughs) there will be a do not push button. I will give you an AP. (laughs) I will. Yeah, I'll give you an AP to have a button that I can just push. Yeah, there's a do not push button. (laughs) So to set the scene, 
Whack! Eddie's head has fallen off. He's trying to get it back. One of the bones flies off, hits Maybelline, who's just demoralized at this point. Smarky lifts up the page and starts running back to get it to Booker. And then, Irene, you wanted to open the floodgates? Irene's further away, and she tells Kike to push it, and Kike can push it with his hand that went on the journey with the Necromod Strike Force team, and it all comes full circle. Sure. That sounds like a good idea. I'll do that. <laughs> all right, Kike, roll me take action. Oops, sorry. Dice failed. That didn't count. Um, that's a five. I just... I should never have trusted you, Kike. Describe how you all try this and fail. No. No. Irene figured it out and pointed, but one or more of the Necromon got overexcited and tripped Kike. Oh, no. It was Boidle Rat. Oh, no. It was Boidle Rat. It was Boidle Rat. I didn't want to name names, but we all know it was Boidle Rat. (laughs) We all know it's Boidle Rat. (laughs) Aurelio, Aurelio, Aurelio. You really need to get a team that would work together. Honestly, so do you. <laughs> Where's your team? I haven't seen that they are doing things. Why, why, why bother finding a powerful Necromon team when I'm the most powerful Necromon I could ever encounter? You know, I first... Can I, can I interrupt his speech to punch him in the face? <laughs> Romy, take a swing. Yo, is it fine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to have this influence anything. He's still going to get his benefit, but I just want to see if you punch him. Uh, nine. Eh? Yeah, you you hit him pretty good. Not, like, big enough to do anything, but he's like, ah, you are so rude and mean, <laughs> but not in the Machiavellian way. Anyways, the thing I wanted to explain is that my element is skeletons, and that includes things like skeletal structures. So say goodbye to Sparky Malarkey. What the fuck? And... With that, the skeleton of the room next to him, the framing starts tearing open as he points a hand towards it. And a giant gap into the vacuum of space opens up. What the fuck? <laughs> Sparky, roll me. Take action. Okay, um, my first is zero. Yeah, that's right. But I get the plus one ongoing. Eleven. Oh. Twelve with the plus one ongoing. Okay, perfect. Oh. So you still suffer the consequences of the effect. I just wanted to see how bad it was. Yeah, that's fine. So we've talked, we've used some effects before, right? But one of the effects I wanted to use was less something like, oh, this ability is taken away or you get negative one ongoing. I wanted to do my favorite kind of effect. One in which you are put into a scenario that you have to roll to succeed at, and succeeding that roll won't count towards filling your clock. However, if you just let the scenario be, every quote-unquote turn you take without resolving that will be a turn that that situation automatically gets worse. The vacuum of space, Sparky, pulls you out, but just in time, there is... Why not? There's a loose nail. Yeah! A thick, loose nail that you're able to grab onto. I have the paper. I've got the nail. You have the paper in one hand. You're holding onto the nail in the other. And you can hear creak as it starts to pull out a little bit. Okay. Um, Important question just for all of us here. Yeah. Uh, 
What's happening to everyone else if the chamber is decompressing? Um, you know, you're not quite in the vacuum vacuum of space. You so just said we were in the vacuum of space. You're in like the close to vacuum of space. <laughs> it's like well, the ozone layer of space. We're going like sci-fi movie rules that doesn't yeah. want to be brutal where it's like if you're far enough away from it, you're fine. But if you're like right in the vicinity, you get pulled in. Mm, okay. All right. Good to know. Unless, uh, Tom, you all want to be pulled out to the vacuum of space. Only one of you would survive <laughs> that. It's me, because I'm already dead. Actually, when, when, when Sparky goes out, Eddie will just, very tired, turn to Yukike and say, I know we have our differences, Aurelio, but you're welcome. <laughs> <sighs> this is slow, even for you. <laughs> even for us. No, even for you. You have to pick a side, Kike. Either I am you, or I'm not you. When did I say you were me? When you said I was just a copy. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't mean that you're me, me. That means that you're a copy. Like, you have a copy of a paper. The copy is not the same as the paper. You want to go philosophical here? I have no time. Have you ever heard of the idea of the skeleton of Theseus? He's already gone. Like, between your Sparky, I somehow like Sparky more, and he's gonna go and try. Are you doing a spacewalk to save Sparky Malarkey? Yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I I think Tom was saying something. Yeah, I I had a plan along those lines. Yeah. I, I don't want to interrupt anyone else's plans, but Hilda was gonna, like, look at Booker do like a nod. Is he off his back yet? Hilda was going to grab Booker under her arm, <laughs> getting Sparky's car and drive the car out into space to get Sparky. Drive the car into space. I want it to be a combination of Kike doing the spacewalk and the car doing the cars. I'm going to count one of these as towards saving Sparky. And one of these is towards making things better because I don't think there's really a way to say this is a combo attack, but I want both to happen. So Kike, you're going to roll keep your cool because you're, you know, trying to do a spacewalk okay. and Hilda, you're going to roll touch the other side because I'm pretty sure you don't know how to drive a car. What, so touch the other side. What, what do we roll with that? That's books. Is keep your cool plus slick. Plus slick, yes. Twelve. It's it's dirty twelve, but it's Jesus. Alright. I rolled a natural twelve! Oh. <laughs> so we're gonna start with Kike, because it sounds like plan more directly involves saving Sparkies, where Hilda's was more akin to vehicular manslaughter. Wow, fucking rude. <laughs> so uh yeah, Sparky. The nail is pulling more and more, and you're starting to lose your breath. And Kike, you see this, and how do you save Sparky Malarkey? He's just, like, very reluctantly (laughs) going to, like, grab her hand, I guess? Just grab her by the collar, the rudest way. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Grab her by the collar and, like... Like, Like she chokes even more. (laughs) No, no, but not like that. But, like, in in cartoons where, like, there's, like, somebody sitting down and you're grabbing them. Like, like, basically the same vibes as pulling someone by their ear. Yeah. Please, there's no air left to choke. Yeah, exactly. That was my thought. Like, Sparky's not getting any breath anyway. Yeah. And she's gonna like slowly, slowly do it. Just like really reluctant. <gasps> and she's being pulled in. It's the second time that I save your life, Sparky. I hope you remember that and repay it someday. What do you mean the second time? 
Ah, there are two times? There was one time when you were in this weird, creepy lake thing, and and I had to drag you out of it. I got the Brody Baker lake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were talking exactly. That's, that's, yeah, you were talking about that instead of being useful, and I dragged you out of it. So really, you should repay me about this someday, but that's not important now. I guess I'm glad you are not overpopulating the necropolis today. <laughs> Just walks away. <laughs> Sparky is confused. She's she's uh, shaken for multiple reasons, such as losing oxygen, and also Kike saved her twice, apparently. I'm disappointed, Aurelio. Sticking your neck out for her? I mean, you would do it for me, though, right, Eddie? Of course, dear Rhonda, but you are an actually enjoyable person. <laughs> Listen, honestly, honestly, I did it to spend less time with your whatever talk this is. So if it's between he like starts hearing... doing like the blabbing hand. <laughs> yeah, that's you. That's how you sound like. Exactly like that. And he's going to do the hand thing. And Hilda, what do you do? So the plan, the plan here was drive car out into space, pull Sparky into the car. And then, since this car got all the way up here, surely that means it can get back. Yeah. We re-enter the atmosphere in this Marquis car. Check out. Ride it down to the planet. Made the van space-proof, so now we can just zoom off into space playing hooked on a feeling. It's a reliable mode of transportation, it says in the move. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> this is just like how in Be Cool Scooby-Doo, Fred has outfitted the mystery machine to be like a submarine and a helicopter. And I did get a nat 12 with this roll as well. So, we're going to say, is it alright if Irene's in the car? I was considering pulling the entire party in and just having us drive out into space. I mean, I could just be chilling with Maybelline and her guns. It's fine. Yeah, Kiki and Sparky, you see as a car, as Sparky's van just drives up next to you, and the door dramatically opens up, and Hilda, I'll let you take the seat if you want to do anything. It doesn't say anything because it's space, but just, like, pulls <laughs> both Kike and Sparky into the van. Whee! Kike's gonna do the kind of the way that, like, Steve Harrington reacts when he sees Dustin <laughs> driving the car. Like, what? Kids should not be driving. I like trying to, like, take Hilda out of the wheel so that he can be the proper responsible adult who drives car. What do we decide versus Irene in or out of the van? Well, Irene is busy, so... Uh... I, I, figured, I figured we'd put you all in the van so that you can drive out. Okay, great. I think it'd be really funny if it was like a drive-by and they just grabbed Irene by the back of her shirt, also in a cartoonish manner, and whipped her into the van and then slammed the door shut before we just, like, pull up. <laughs> Open the side door, drag her into the van. It's like we're kidnapping a child, but in a good way this time. And we're gonna drive out to the vacuum of space, baby. We're gonna fill our clock by running away. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna drive into the solar system. We go. We're re-entry. We're going. We're going back down to the planet the hard way. And after you all leave, it's silent. For a moment in Osatsuba's collection, before Rhonda eventually breaks the silence with, wow, oh, how's everybody doing? 
And then you hear a little eh, eh, and all of the glass barriers protecting Osetsuba's collection go down because Emily privately paid me one AP to press the button outside of combat. According to a Google search that I just quickly did, it takes about 2 minutes and 23 seconds to fall from space. So while the party does exactly that, let's have an announcement break. First off, if you signed up for the fan work exchange that I talked about last announcement break, I will be sending out assignments for that later today or tomorrow. And if you're listening to this episode on the day it comes out, and you are interested, go check the link that I put in last episode because I'm only going to close signups when I actually send out the emails. Besides that, all I've got for you today is another show promo, so hey, listen! Do you want to find out more about tabletop and live role-playing games, but you're not sure where to start? Do you want to play a lot of different role-playing systems, but just don't have the time to try them all? Do you want to listen to new and exciting adventures without the boring character creation and filler story arcs? Well, you're in luck. If any of those things sound interesting to you, you can check out What Am I Rolling, which is a twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. That's What Am I Rolling with a question mark. And remember, adventurers need not apply. All right, well, music considered, we're probably getting close to everyone landing on the ground, so that's all I've got for you today. This year, we're going to do something special for Christmas again, so in two weeks... On December 26th, Hallie and I will return to the harrowing world of Hallmark with another Hallmarked episode. I'll see you then. and we see uh, the car we don't even see how it gets to the ground we just see all of the rons and the undertakers in front of the scuba core space scraper a lot of them are starting to raid it because we'll say the crowd went and like took out some of the key clones on the lower floors (laughs) and we don't see how the van got down we just cut to the ground and we see it round the corner in front of the space scraper I did not expect it to be intact after this. Thanks, Jake Hell. So what you're saying is that Big Jake Hell made sure it didn't Big Jake fell. <laughs> Honestly, I <laughs> I don't know how compliant this is with the lore, but I would love if like none of this actually was like a thing about the car and Big Jake Hell was just using like other side magic to be like, oh, they drove it into space. <laughs> When you you fall down in the orbit, you know how, like, it flames up? Yeah. 
Because you're going super fast. Yeah, that's not actually the physics effect. That flame is Big Jake Hell trying to redirect the car. What a good guy. I put my life's work into this van. You can't destroy it by driving it into space. Honestly, he seems like a better boyfriend than certain people whose names begin with L and N with Ukis Bang. <laughs> I do not hear this. <laughs> All right, so you're all in a in a car in front of the space scraper. I should write Jake Kell a better thank you note. <laughs> I think I need to go sit down now with a blanket. I think I am beginning to feel the early onset of shock. <laughs> oh no! Oh, you are only in the early part oh. of it. I was under the impression we were further in. I mean, yeah, probably. My brain just missed the memo. Kiki will sit next to them and hug them. Uh, While Kiki is sharing the tender moment with the children, we're on the ground and the undertakers are outside, yeah? Yeah. I want to stumble out my van. Like, the intention is to, like, kick the van door open, somebody once told me style, and and be like, go fix it. But, you know, a lot has happened. So it's more like a stumble out and she has to, like, grab onto the door to steady herself. And she's like, crimes! (laughs) But I got you. You you, you got here. We did it. (laughs) All right, we're going to flash forward quickly, if that's all right. (laughs) Bite has basically immediately, once Sparky said things, surrounded the vans. A lot of Undertakers, which again are the guys in like the Aloha shirts with the sunglasses and the khaki pants. You occasionally catch a glimpse of an overseer. Overseers look more like stereotypical men in black. They're much more unsettling figures with black trilby hats, round sunglasses, and long trench coats. Kike, you might check. Do you ever check the phone that you were using to contact with the Rons? Uh, yeah. I mean, I want to say I don't know if I made the joke back on that one session when they like, "Tell me if they're smiling." But if they're all skeletons, I guess he would have told. You said that immediately, and in, and Overseer Cold said, "You know what I mean." <laughs> okay. Do you, do you make that again, though? Do you get another message from Overseer Cold saying, "So were any of them laughing?" And you say again. Yeah, I, I say it again. Yes. I hope Overseer Cold hates us. So Bite was there. Undertaker's there. The you know dire fighters were there as well. Uh, emergency services, essentially. They look like old firefighters. I saw this image the other day. Old firefighters, like their you know helmet is like this big black mask. Essentially, if you took a firefighter's helmet, made it black, and then put it down over their entire head. Like a welder or a beekeeper. Yeah, and with big bulky suits of armor. They look terrifying. Very sweet, though. And we're doing the thing that, you know, you know, you have at the end of a stereotypical action movie where you're sitting in the back of the ambulance with, like, the h- cup of hot cocoa and the blanket. The shock blanket, yeah. Yeah, a shock blanket. Irene keeps pushing the blanket off of her. Hilda's cuddling Booker. And also holding two pages. Well. Wait, Sparky still has one. If Booker is seeing them, he's going to be wildly obsessed with them and like being a total menace. Yeah, no no sense delaying the inevitable. Hilda will give him the first page at least. Okay. You're sitting there. Let's say everyone's given you space. They said, all right, we're, we're going to have a couple of folks talk to you. But for now, we'll we'll leave you alone. So it's just the four of you, the four PCs. And Booker snatches the page up immediately. And he noms it like any other page. 
And the page disappears. But after a moment, you notice that one of the ripped spaces where a page should be starts weaving itself back together again, slowly, bit by bit, reassembling itself. And as it does, Booker's eye flame ignites, and you see an image. It's a hard-to-see image, because it's an image inside of flames, but it's unmistakably an image of a man. He looks young, but with how death works, that says nothing about his age. The only thing you notice about him is his curious temperament and his inquisitive cat-like eyes. And then through the flames, you hear the echoes of this man speak. How curious. So you're saying you catalog things, information, things that happen? You're remarkable, friend. Did you know that? And you are. You are my saving grace. Well, so I I told you already, I believe, that woman, at least I I think she was a woman, unless, you know, there are humanoid necromon or something like that. She told me the most curious things. Interesting. Would kind of looks and smiles. Would you like to come along with me? It's been a while since I've traveled without a companion. Wonderful. We're going to do great things, friend. We're going to find out all the mysteries of this world. And the man turns over, and with a spark of the flame in Booker's eye, you can see a third eye emerge on his forehead. And he says, I can taste the intrigue already. And the flame goes back in, and Booker looks like his normal flame eye, but he's perked up a little bit. I've sent you a list of advancements, Tom. Booker now gains one of those permanently. Uh He wiggles his little butt. Also, I assume this is something only Booker experienced, right? Like nobody else saw that or heard it? All of you saw the image in the flame. Basically, Booker's eye flame ignited and showed you this image as if Booker was showing a recording. He's a little projector, Mon. Yeah. Uh, I mean... I, I mean, I am, like, 99% certain of, You're right, of Ari. who that is, so, like, <laughs> Kikin would definitely be, like, like, have a double take, and then just be like, Teo? Do I recognize that? Do, does that sound familiar to me at all? It sounds nice. You don't remember the details. You only really remember the conversation that was seen, but that name makes you happy. Very cool. Uh, uh... I have a, suddenly a lot more questions and interest about <laughs> about this book of yours, kid. What? Uh, Who's Teo? Oh, my, oh, Mateo. He was, is, I guess he still is my uh, partner. He's a really good friend, but I haven't seen him in a long time, so I thought it strange to see him in this eye stock of your book now. He's like approaching and like, you know, trying to. Booker, <laughs> like, he doesn't have a neck, but the motion that he does is like if he was pulling his head back into his neck a little bit. Like, you are getting very close to me, Sir Skeleton. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm becoming too much like Sparky. I am so sorry wow. about that. I understand <laughs> wow. the, 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 the personal space situation here. Caught up by the intrigue. Just one second, Sparky. Uh, if, <laughs> if you 
here or if you see him on your eyes talk again, would you? Booker walks in a circle and then lays down, not paying attention anymore. Well, I guess I can, I'll just write him a letter next time and ask him what's up with that. It just takes forever to reach over there. Write a letter to whom? God, why are you still here? <laughs> this is not, this is not Eddie. Oh. Flick, click, flick, click. You look up to the voice that spoke to you. And the first thing you see is a lighter opening and closing. But when you see the rest of it, you see a man. The man. On the surface, not much about this figure sticks out. He's a tall man wearing business casual clothing. Khakis, dress shoes, a simple collared shirt with the top two buttons undone, and one hand loosely resting in his pocket, while the other idly plays with a lighter, adding a slightly singed smell to the otherwise overpowering scent of bottom shelf cologne. Honestly, if it weren't for the name tag this man was wearing, he would seem like just a regular middle manager. And you wouldn't have even been able to guess that this was an overseer leading a raid on one of the world's largest companies. Even at first glance, though, something about this man feels instinctually off. And then you notice the details. You notice how his hunched pose never changes, how it seems less like a casual posture and more like a carefully crafted facade. You notice that the cologne is only so strong in order to mask the unmistakable smell of death. Not death in a literal way, mind you, but instead the empty, stale stench of stagnation. You notice the color of his lighter's flame, a sickly green, and how even though he's clearly standing on the ground, the man still seems to float, only leaving a shadow in the light cast from the flame at his head. But above all else, you notice the smile. It's a stiff, wide smile that wraps all the way to the sides of his head. A smile that's clearly meant to be comforting, but that feels more like a predator baring their teeth, or a corpse stuck in joyous rigor mortis. Normally I don't like to tell you how you feel about things, but there is something supernaturally upsetting about this creature. Overseer Cold looks to you, Kike, and he smiles. I mean, he always smiles. So more his head with his smile turns towards you. Ah, yes, I believe you are the man that I am to thank for my assistance this evening. Is that correct? Uh, yes, sir, I believe so. Are you the... Are you the one that texted me on the phone asking me about the smiling thing and my thing that I reply that, yeah, I mean, skeletons are always smiling. A wonderful joke, as always, but you are certain that there was no laughter. Uh, not really. I mean, I don't know. I don't remember offhand if Eddie laughed at some point, but... I think he did. Okay, he would say that. Uh, actually, there is one... His name is Eduardo. He's like always kind of smirking and laughing and feeling kind of all superior. So if that helps for any of your weird tallies that you're keeping, uh, he would be the one to look for. Eduardo? He is the fifth, I presume? Uh, yes. If you want to count them that way. I just like to keep my ducks in a row. 
I'm sure that an employee of the very esteemed Kimmy card would feel the same. Uh... Yes, I mean, I do pride myself in having things ordered and organized. I don't know exactly. I can give you a, a better report on the exact crime and went into that. He, like, tried to toss this lady over there, Sparky Malarkey, into the space. Ah, yes. Your wonderful assistant. My sub, 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 sub assistant. My co-assistant is not Sparky. She would be, like, way below me on the scale. Of course, your sub-sub-sub assistant, the wonderful investigative reporter, Catherine Mueller. Or Sparky Malarkey, as I believe she likes to be called. I do certainly hope you're not injured at all. He looks towards you, Sparky. You were having a fake name all this time. Um, Well, fake names you went with Sparky Malarkey. Well, yeah, why would an adult name someone Sparky Malarkey? Irene whispers. I mean, I've heard worse names, kid. You just haven't lived, you haven't lived long enough. <laughs> Sparky stares back at him and says, um, no. I was gonna have a biting response, but, um, I can't think of one, and neither can Sparky. She's too tired, so she's just going to be surly. I understand your exhausted, and uh-huh. I wouldn't blame her too much, Aurelio. We all like to keep our secrets. What? Some of us prefer to hide our names. Some of us prefer not to say things. It's not a secret. I just don't like it. And he points to Irene. Some of us don't like talking about our siblings. And some of us never shut up. Excuse me? I'm just saying that I am I am a friend, and uh-huh. you can feel free to discuss... Friends don't have to say they're friends. ...anything with me at any point. Sounds like you already know everything anyway, so why bother? The smile widens, Great. but he does not laugh. Yeah, yeah, good. Irene has crossed her arms and is glaring at the sibling's comment. And he looks at you, Hilda, for a second out of curiosity, and you notice that Booker is scuttled to behind your back. And he cocks his head. Can we help you? Oh no, you have all helped me so much already. I just wanted to extend the Bureau's thank you. And let you know that if you have anything to tell me at any time, and he looks back at you, Hilda, anything at all, you can always call in and request to speak to Overseer Cole. Although, since we're friends, just tell them you want to speak to Indrid. Completely blank-faced. Okay, goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye, all. It was a pleasure meeting you, but may we meet again on better circumstances. A birthday party or something joyous like that. And he walks away. And Emily, I want you to take a GM intrusion. (gasps) I was already upset, and now I'm more upset. It's fine. I take my intrusion. Do I even get a? Who do you do give I the get point AP? to? Yeah, you get an AP. Who do you give it to? I give it to Hilda for also being a weird, upset child <laughs> at the bad vibes of Mister Cold. This is unimaginably dreadful. Injured Cold walks away with the flick, click, flick, click, flick. And for a moment, he stands there, illuminated by the small light of the pocket lighter, which, despite being so small, 
seems to extend a shadow from him out that almost covers all of you. And he waits for a moment, then flicks it down and turns back and says, Actually, Miss Hawthorne, I did have something I needed to talk to you about, if you would just join me for a moment. I would prefer to have an, um, I would prefer to have parental supervision. Oh, yes, a a parent, a guardian, a lawyer, something along those lines. Do not worry, Elliot is already on the scene. He's what? He's what? No, thank you. He extends an arm and motions out. Please, come this way. I don't, um... Hilda's gonna get in front of uh, Irene and say, No, thank you. We are currently in shock and on our way to get medical attention. You'll have to talk to us later. Flick, 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 click, click, click. The lighter starts flicking with more intensity as injured cold steeps over you, his smile an inch from your face. Irene pushes Hilda aside a little bit. It's fine, I'm coming. Mm. Hilda is going to push back on that push and not budge. Such gumption. It was not a request, though. Is Irene under arrest? We cannot discuss the details at the time. I don't see Elliot here right now. This all seems very suspicious, so I'm going to have to say no thanks. The lighter flicks, and all the overseers have sunglasses on. All the undertakers and overseers. Overseer Cold doesn't. It almost looks like a flame emerges from his two green eyes. And Hilda, I want you to roll take action with disadvantage. I want to do an opposing roll. Against two. Against Hilda. Oh no! Okay. I don't want Hilda getting in trouble. Can I spend an AP to help Hilda somehow? Uh, do you want to just like help keep Irene from leaving or how are you going to help Hilda? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll say that you're help. So that's, it's no longer um, disadvantage, Tom. Okay. Can we assume that declare guilty is in effect in this case, even though I have not like yeah. explicitly said those words? Yeah. What does declare guilty do? Uh, declare guilty, declare a particular character a threat to you or those you care about, roll with plus one ongoing whenever your actions directly oppose that character for the remainder of the scene or confrontation, only one character at a time. Okay. I want to use one AP and my overextends. Normally that would auto-succeed. Since you're doing an opposed roll, I'll give you double advantage for that. So what, four dice? Four dice results of top two. That would be an 11. And is that roll trying to beat my roll? Yeah. That will be difficult since I rolled a 12. Oh! <gasps> Injured Cold flicks the green light, and a shadow, his shadow, illuminated by the light, begins to emerge around all of you. Hilda and Irene, what are you doing? Irene is trying to pull away from Hilda to go with Injured Cold, because she's worried that Hilda's going to get in trouble. Hilda is holding on tightly to um, Irene's arm and keeping herself in between Indrid Cold and Irene. Indrid Cold seems not to care. The sickly green light at his hip grows brighter and his shadow more looming. And then Kike. He does that too, because like there's like a line. He's like, 
trying to prevent this man from just taking a minor without any like warrant or any like even even if he had a warrant like this use is not okay and when you stand up he clicks the lighter closed again and his eyes return to normal as the shadow recedes give my well regards to mateo would you and he walks off hmm he doesn't like that this man just he just, just doesn't like that but there was anything to do with the, the the next letter he writes to Mateo is going to have a lot of questions. All right. From that point on, you're pretty much left on your own. The Rons try to flex and show how cool they are, but they do that to everybody. Uh, Elliot is there. Can I, in the background of that scene with Indrid Cold, I wanted to have texted Elliot with just what the fuck? <laughs> because because even though Sparky spends her whole life avoiding these people, they all have each other's contact info because we have referenced group chats before. You just get back. If anything happens to it, I'm not buying you a new van. If anything happens to Irene, you're not getting a new sister. <gasps> That's my reply. <gasps> yes. You are left on red. <laughs> oh. That means I win. But yeah, so you all uh, you all meet up and head out. Hilda, you meet up with Alina. Yulia arrives as well. Elliot is there, but something you weren't told, Irene, is that Earl is there as well. It's hard to tell who's more confused by the situation. Elliot, who is perplexed because you were supposed to be here with Overseer Cold, or Earl, who is always confused. Kike, I would say that actually, because it hit the news... Ariel wanted to just come to check up you on their own, but Yunuin was really, really worried and would not let Ariel leave home without her. So they check up with you, and Sparky, you go home alone. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Wait, where's Lucas? Actually, you know what? I I don't think Sparky's in the mood to go find Lucas. I mean, she wants to know he's okay, but... We can play out any of those if you want. Otherwise, I was just going to ask, is there anything you all do when you go home? Oh yeah, I have all my files. Um, instead of going to bed, I just start reading all of them. It sounds like the plans have changed, but before they seemed to be changing, I was going to ask my father if I should turn myself in. <laughs> oh no! What? I turn yourself in for, for uh, like like to a doctor? I could take you to a doctor. No, to the uh, law enforcement. Oh. <laughs> uh. And he looks to Elliot, who just nods to him. And Earl says, let's just go home, kiddo. And he kind of shelters you and takes you back into the car. Wait, what did the nod mean? Nod to take me home or nod for me to turn myself in? I mean, it's Elliot, so what do you think? (laughs) Booker's sleeping on Hilda. He's really cuddly today. Hilda will cuddle with Booker and go home and cry with her moms. Aww. Aww. Ah, Kiki's just gonna start... I mean, he, he has a, a letter already drafted, but he's gonna, like, scrap that and throw that out and then start again to write a letter to Mateo, starting first, like, what? And then, like, why? And then, how? And a lot of, like, crossing over <laughs> and then, like, starting again. And as Kike finishes the letter and puts it in the envelope, we just hear these ghostly, deathly bells from outside. And noticing that, you quickly wrap it up and walk to the door. He hands it in, if possible, like just saying, like, uh, I, I, I know, I know you probably can't do much about that, but if there's any way to make it arrive faster than usual, thanks, buddy. 
And Sparky, you get back home and you start flitting through the papers, right? Mm-hmm. With reckless abandon, I use my broken coffee maker to make coffee. It broke in the great space escape, but that's fine. And if I understand correctly, this completes your investigation tracker. It does! I had six, and now I have seven, if you give me a point. So you get a big plot revelation. I sure do! Sparky, you're sorting through the papers, and a lot of it is the stuff you already saw. In addition to the second blank Booker page, which you never actually gave to Hilda, despite the substantial effort it took to retrieve. Scuba Corps, ever since coming into town, grabs all the rutabagas. They're bought by Sammy Esther, who buys them from out of time. You gain a little more insight into why they buy the rutabagas, which, instead of being some grand conspiracy, seems to simply be that Oset really likes them. Like, there's a lot of scuba family rutabaga recipes, but concerning out of time's rutabagas in particular, you specifically learn that Sammy Esther is the one who buys it, picks it up, and gives it to Oset Scuba. He delivers it by hand, and Oset, through records and chat logs, seems very agitated when anyone else tries to. Like, he slapped it out of Maybelline's hand when she tried once. Ah. Further enforcing what Lucas said, that there seems to be a lot of trust between the two of these. Okay. But one of the things you see is, you see Oset being like, uh, he's asking for a rutabaga, essentially, mm-hmm. in one of these things. And he says, someone please get Mr. Esther, crossed out. Sammy, crossed out. Sam Sam, question mark, crossed out. My number two, crossed out. My partner, crossed <laughs> out. And finally, the only thing he could land on was the rutabaga boy. <laughs> And suddenly you remember your vision from the beginning of this campaign. Yeah. The one that ended with the message, protect the rutabaga or the world ends. And that part, protect the rutabaga or the world ends, that's the part you've remembered. But then all of the other images start flashing through your mind with this new context. You remember the vision of a tower stretching into the sky, far, far higher than any other skyscraper. The vision of fierce Necromon battles, and one of the figures you can now see is a giant dragon with piercing white eyes. But the most notable feature you remember is a patchwork sewn together hand and a string of yarn hair. And you realize that the message protect the rutabaga or the world ends is not talking about protecting the out of time rutabagas. You realize that in order to stop the world from ending, You need to save Sammy Esther. Oh, cripes. Yeah, like, Kike watched Eddie get taken down by an 11-year-old, like, three days ago. Yeah, exactly. Like, we can do this anytime, you know? By three days, I mean a month. You mean, like, (laughs) five months ago? Not five months ago. It was a month between that and camping, and then it's been, like, two to three months since then. Oh, it has? Yeah. Kyle keeps time skipping us. 
Time progresses in our world the same as it does in... Uh, I thought that it was a month between each sesh. Oh, you're referring to something that happened earlier in Die Hard? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the first time she took oh, down Eddie. No, and I was like, that I was, was months ago. <laughs> We've been months in this heist. <laughs> <laughs> time moves so quickly in the scuba course space scraper. It's been 10 years. Has anybody seen the Mr. Bones video? What? No. <laughs> what? <laughs> David showed it to me, and someone made a roller coaster on Roller Coaster Tycoon called Mr. Bones. Send it to us. I think I've I've seen that. Well, I want to see that. Yeah, send that. <laughs> and to the me. ride time is like twelve months. Yes, I've seen that in Mr. Oh Bones God. Wild Ride. And he made <laughs> the world's Wild slowest ride. ride. That's what it is. And then the like, the ride exit is just another way to get to the ride entrance. Oh no! And the narrator is like. It's been one year on Mr. Bones' wild ride. The passengers are starving. Mutiny has broken out. <laughs> and that's what I thought of just now. Here we found the episode Mr. Scuba's Wild Ride. <laughs> <laughs> the van was itself a John McClane. <laughs> it like... Didn't expect John McFlan. Did ya? Here comes John McFlan. That's his name now. That's my car's name. Hannah Lore had the Red Mary... Sparky has John McFlan. John McFlan. McFlan. John McFlan. McFlan. McVehicle. And I just, I blow on it. Maybelline puts her hand with one of the guns up to a he ear and says, Well, it's silent to other people. It's like a bison whistle, Kyle. Maybe Keep she's up. part car. Maybe she's part Maybe car. she's part car. It's a cyborg. <laughs> Didn't Hilda drive the van in one episode? I drove in a semi-canonical precursor to the campaign. <laughs> oh my god. In which I tried to park Sparky's car. That's right. That was in a parking lot, and she also scraped multiple cars. <laughs> I, okay, I well. failed very badly and made things a lot worse. <laughs> and with a roar, the white-eyes blue dragon and all the other necromonts surround Eddie, Rhonda, Maybelline, and the second key clone. And Rhonda just goes, oh dear. I would have taken the key clone to that. Okay. He was just a little... I was going to joke that you'd have to tear Pokio away from the sad skeleton, but it would be really funny if he just came along. We just cut and he's in there? Yeah. We cut away and we see <laughs> the car. We don't even see how it gets to the ground. We just know it did. And yeah, all of you and the quiet key clone are in the car. <laughs> 